Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Um, if uh, everyone could take a seat and get ready so we could begin, inshallah, today's uh, Dars Masjid Talks. Jazakumullah khairan. And uh, we're going to begin, inshallah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalatu wassalam ala ashraf al-khalqi wal-mursaleen Sayyidina wa Habibina Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Amma ba'd, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Jazakumullah uh, khairan, brothers, for sticking after the Salat al-Isha for today's dars. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassarli amri wahlu al-uqdata min lisani yafqahu qawli. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. During this week, um, I was trying to remember, uh, you know, kind of what to talk about. And uh, actually before the opportunity, you know, arose for me to talk today, I was kind of thinking during the week, um, I had watched, you know, a couple of videos and uh, about some of the situations that were going on um, around the world for the Muslim Ummah. And I thought to myself, you know, what am I doing? What is there more that I can do? Am I really uh, giving every strength and every ability that I have in all my strength towards the da'wah and to the Ummah itself? And um, I kind of tried to look for some inspiration around um, who to follow, what to do, uh, looking back at history uh, and to try to, you know, get certain um, guidance because we learn through history and we learn, uh, you know, uh, we have the Quran, we have the Sunnah and we look back on what happened during the times of the Prophet and after them and see how they reacted to the situations that were happening. So um, what are the values? What are the characteristics? Um that these men carried, these lions of Islam. Um, SubhanAllah, during um, the time of the Prophet وسلم, before, even before Muslims, and after that, throughout history, um, there have been lions that have appeared of Islam. These lions have um, been the guidance for many people. They've carried them through um, some of the, darkest, the toughest and darkest times that Muslims have faced. Um, and with their iman, that has built in their hearts, that has made them who they are, and that history has remembered them as this, the lions of Islam. So today I want to look back at some of those lions and, and look back at some of those characters and see what we can learn from them so that we could become the lions of today, so we, that we could become the lions of today's ummah, today's Muslims, so we could guide them closer to the light, closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and closer to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would insha'Allah irda alayna jami'an. I'd like to start with uh, one of the ayat from Surah Al-Fatih. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. وَلِلَّهِ جُنُودُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَزِيزًا حَكِيمًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلِلَّهِ جُنُودُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ uh, In the tafsir of this ayah, they say, جُنُودُ السَّمَاوَاتِ the, the soldiers and the warriors of the samawat are the malaika. And the warriors of the ard, the junood al-ard, are the mu'mineen. 
these junood, these soldiers are for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the malaika and the mu'mineen on earth, on the ground. So, you know, when you think about that ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has soldiers up there and he has soldiers not made of, uh, not made of light, not made of nur, but made of clay, made of mud, made of dirt, made of human. And we are the soldiers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah. So the, one of the first stories that I'd like to begin with is, um, uh, you know, the story of Bilal ibn Rabah. Everyone knows the story of Bilal ibn Rabah. Um, you know, uh, some of the things that we want to learn from him, you know, Bilal ibn Rabah's strength, his patience, his tenacity to stay on Iman. Um, you know, everyone knows the famous story. And for those that don't know, we're going to tell it. You know, Bilal ibn Rabah, he was a slave in Mecca. Uh, at the time when uh, the da'wah came to Rasul and the revelation came down and um, he was one of the people that uh, uh, that amanu with Rasulullah and insharah sadrahu lil-Islam and during that time uh, one of the instances that we're going to speak of Lan Rabah um, he was taken out to the desert so think about a really hot day here in Chicago you know it's very very hot outside it's 100 degrees outside and then you kind of go touch the inside leather of your car and it's just steaming or you touch the hood of your car or the ground and it's just burning hot you know imagine Mecca in in the summer which is much much hotter you know imagine that uh, you know they take off his shirt and they'd have him lay in the sand the scorching hot sand tie him down and then tie a boulder to his chest a bowl, now we're talking about a boulder. Let's say the, the weight of two or three of us sitting on top of my chest for hours and just telling him to ishrik billah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to make shirk and to ukfur billah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Rasulullah's message. And all he'd say, ahadun ahad. He'd continue to say, ahadun ahad, ahadun ahad, ahadun ahad. And while that boulder and that heat and all that adab is, is happening to him, he could have easily just buckled under the pressure and said, you know, and, and, and gone back. You know, at that time, it's not like you're saying that um, after the Prophet moved to Medina where there was a whole Dawlah but rather, you know, the Muslimin were still, they were weak. They were few in numbers. They, uh, you know, the Prophet hadn't um, uh, prophesied them with, with oh, get, getting all these ghanaim, all this money, uh, these uh, these uh, these lambs of war, he didn't promise them for anything. There was nothing in the dunya that he would get. But Bilal ibn Rabah understood what it meant to carry la ilaha illallah in his heart. He understood that uh, that by by having patience, wasbar nafsak, usbur, if you have patience on this torture, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant you one of the highest rewards in an akhirah, and Bilal ibn Rabah got it in the dunya as well. When the day of Fatih Mecca, Bilal Rabah, after they opened Mecca and they walked in and they went to the Kaaba, Rasulullah, what did he tell Bilal? He told him, Adhan ya Bilal, let everyone hear the sound of the Adhan. And um, uh, he, told, he, wanted him, he wanted everyone to hear it. So he told Bilal, Bilal, climb upon the Kaaba. Climb up the Kaaba and Adhan from there. And Bilal, you know, the Kaaba is pretty high. He couldn't reach it on his own. So what happened? He told him, Rasulullah, he brought to him just to show the place of Bilal bin Rabah. 
uh, in the heart of the Rasul he brought Abu Bakr al-Siddiq and Umar al-Khattab and he, he made them stand right at the door, right at the back of the Kaaba with their backs to it and lift Bilal al-Rabah on their shoulders, his right leg on Abu Bakr's shoulder, his left leg on Umar al-Khattab's shoulder and told them, let them help you climb on their backs, climb on their shoulders and get on the top of the Kaaba. And some of the mushrikeen, when they saw this view, they were disgusted. A slave on the, uh, uh, you know, climbing on our Kaaba. And um, Rasulullah then said a famous saying. He said, Wallahi ya Bilal, the, the Kaaba, it is, it is a sacred place and it is in a, in a, and it has its place in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But today, you are worth more than the Kaaba to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bilal and Rabah standing on the Kaaba, making adhan for the first time when Mecca is open. You know, you see these characteristics and you wonder, can I be more like that? What can I take from this? Can I be as patient as Bilal? Can I be as tenacious as Bilal? Can I be as, as calm, as, as level-headed, and as, as solid in my iman to hold on to la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah? Can I say ahad and ahad through everything that I'm going through? So subhanAllah, Bilal and Rabah. Uh, another story we want to talk about is uh, Ammar bin Yasir. Um, and what we want to take about from Ammar bin Yasir, you know, we know his story of Ali Yasir being tortured. You know, we, they, they've been tortured from Ayyam al Jahiliyyah and they struggled. And Rasul told them, Sabran Ali Yasir, inna mu'idakum al Jannah, be patient, oh, uh, the family of Yasir. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has rewarded you, will reward you with Jannah. So Umar bin Yasir, not only when he was young and at that time did he, was he one of the greatest people in one of the lines of Islam, but even later, after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, after Abi Bakr, after Umar bin Khattab, after Uthman bin Affan, but at the time of Ali bin Abi Talib, Umar bin Yasir was still, he was still alive. He was in his 90s and he was one of the people that led the army of Ali bin Abi Talib at that time. Ammar bin Yasir didn't say, oh, you know, I've gotten older. I've given all I can to, to Islam. I've given all I can to the Ummah. I can't offer anything anymore. You know, I'm at that age where I've done all the hard work early on. I've left it to the people after me. No, Ammar bin Yasir decided I'm still alive on this earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has still given me strength. I'm going to put it towards what I believe is right. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do justice. I'm gonna do justice to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So on the day I stand in front of Him, the day of judgment, I will tell Him that I did not spend one minute, even at the end of my life, not fighting for Your sake, not doing what I thought was right, not carrying this Islam to everyone, to as many people as I could, and keeping my heart filled with Iman. Um, the next story, you know. So we get from that from Ammar bin Yasir. The age is not a barrier. It's not that you're too young or you're too old to qaddam shaykh al-umah. It's not you're too young or too old to learn something new. It's not you're too young or too old to defend this deen, this, uh, this religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So uh, then we have Abu Dharr al-Ghafari. Um, the story of Abu Dharr al-Ghafari, you know, there's many of them. But uh, what I want a specific story that really came to mind is uh, a loyalty story from Abu Dharr al-Ghafari. Um, at the time of Umar al-Khattab, when he was uh, a khalifa, um, a man was walking through you know, a garden, and he had picked uh, a fruit off a tree, and he had eaten it um, without, you know, without permission. So the gentleman uh, that owned that garden, he, he got upset. So he took a rock, and he threw it at the guy's camel. 
So the guy's camel, after it got hit with the rock on the head, it died. So that, that gentleman, out of his, his, you know, he really loved his camel. You know, he's been traveling with it and everything. He got angry. So he went and he, uh, uh, he killed the guy that threw a rock at the camel. So we know that al-qatil uh, in Islam, you know, whoever murders someone is, whoever, uh, the killer is killed uh, as a had. So they brought this gentleman and they wanted to qim alayhi al-had. They wanted to, uh, you know, kill him that day. And he told uh, Umar al-Khattab, wait, wait, wait a minute. Before you do this, you know, I'm not going against what, you, what, what the Islam says, but if you could give me three days, I just need, I have some money for orphans that I have had, that people have given me and told me to, to, to keep um, amana. And I have it hidden in somewhere, hidden in the desert where no one's going to find it. So you need to give me just a couple days so I can go and get it out of there. So Omar al-Khattab responds, he's like, well, you know, I sympathize with you, but we don't know you. You're not one of us. So we can't just kind of let you go and, and you're supposed to be killed right now. What if you run away? What if something? Someone has to um, take your place. So um, the gentleman, he turns around to all the Sahaba that are sitting there. He's like, Is, does anyone ikfalni? Does anyone take, you know, responsibility for me that if I don't show up, you will take responsibility for my actions? And no one said anything. He's like, no one from you. So Absud Abu Dhar al-Ghafari. He's like, I will take, I will take responsibility for him, Ya Umar al-Khattab. Umar al-Khattab asked him, he's like, do you know this man? No. It's like, well, okay. If you want to take his place, you understand that if he doesn't show up after three days, you're the person that's going to be killed then. He's like, I understand. So the, the gentleman went away. He went to go get the amana, the money for the orphans, and he left. The first day, the second day, the third day was getting to a close. And the gentleman, he still hadn't showed up. So they're like, Amr al-Khattab's like, all right, bring Abu Dhar. It's time to, to qim al-had. It's time to, to, you know, to kill him. And then they see a gentleman come running all the way from far away. And it's him. It's the man, you know, that's supposed to happen. So the man comes in and he's like, Amr al-Khattab asks him, he's like, what made you come back here? You could have just run away. You could have saved yourself. He's like, he, he, the words he said, he's like, He's like, I was scared that um, the, uh, I was scared that if I ran away, they would say that there is no longer um, uh, uh, there is no longer the ability to keep promises between people. So Omar ibn Khattab, he heard what he said and he looked at Abu Dhar. He's like, Abu Dhar, what made you decide to take the place of this man when you don't even know him. You never knew that he was going to come back. And what was the consequence if he wouldn't come back? You would have been killed. So he said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, khashiyitu an yuqal dhahabat al-muruwwatu min bayin al-nas. I was scared that they would say that people are no longer compassionate for their other brothers. They are no longer willing to take responsibility and care for their other brothers. So uh, this is the gentleman, you know, the, 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 the son of the father that was killed in the garden, um, he's responsible, you know? He, he's like, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, Ya Umar al-Khattab, I forgive this man for, he, for killing my father. And then Umar al-Khattab said, what made you forgive this man? He's like, seeing these two men, I was scared that it would be said if I didn't forgive him, that forgiveness has been, uh, that has been forgotten in Islam today. SubhanAllah, look at the three lessons to take from there. You know, the loyalty, the forgiveness of your brothers, just caring about one another and upholding the Islamic values that we are taught in every ayah 
in every surah, in every hadith, looking at the lives of the Prophet the life of the Prophet looking at the lives of the Sahaba, and looking at Al-Quran Al-Kareem. Next, you know, we're going to talk about um, Umar al-Khattab. I mean, uh, I always go back to Umar al-Khattab because, mashallah, al-Faruq. Umar al-Khattab, that Rasul said, لو كان رسول من بعدي لكان عمر. If there was, a, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was going to make another prophet after me, it would have been Umar al-Khattab. On, uh, when Umar al-Khattab, after he was stabbed by Abu Lu'la al-Majusi in the masjid, and he was dying, um, he... He took his, you know, he was laying there and his blood was coming out and the doctor told him, you know, if you're going to say anything, these are your last words, you know, you're, you're close to death. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, obviously, he, he controls all of this, but, you know, he looked at him medically. And uh, Allah subhanahu uh, um, Umar al-Khattab, he took his face and he started putting his face in the dirt. He's like, Ya Allah, he started making dua, Ya Allah. Rasul وسلم, he passed away and he was radan anni. He was he was happy with my actions. Abu Bakr al-Siddiq came after the Rasul and he he passed away and he was also radan anni. He was also he he was happy with my actions. He was he was content. He was he he believed in me. Faya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anni fil And Abdullah bin Umar he comes and he takes his father's head and he puts it on his leg. And tells him, Ya Abati, oh father, don't put your face in the dirt, you know, because you're Khalif al Muslimin, don't do this. He's like, Abdullah, leave me. Don't do this. Let me let me do this. Let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala look at me in my final moments and know that all I can think of is his forgiveness. All I can think of is that I want his Ridwan, I want his praise, I want what he can offer me, Yomul Qiyam. And then um, so subhanAllah Umar al Khattab, uh, you know such a strong, you, you think, when you think Umar al-Khattab, you know, big, strong, leader, powerful, you know, many of the, many of the Islamic ghazawat and futuhat happened on his time. The Islamic state expanded tremendously during his time. You know, he was the, the second, the number two of the Khulafa al-Rashidin, mashallah. Another case of uh, instance with Umar al-Khattab, um, before Abu Bakr, uh, he uh, passed on. Khalid bin Walid was the leader of the army at that time, and um, he had sent him out towards, uh, you know, the uh, towards the Iraq and north of there in that area. And uh, he was carrying on the army, and the army was succeeding and victorious, and then again and victorious, and again and victorious. Uh, Khalid bin Walid was known for his uh, his military mind and his geniusness. Rasulullah and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala they praised him. Sayyifun min Allah, and uh, when he finally entered Islam, Rasulullah was happy to gain one of the great minds of the time to Islam. So at that time, um, Umar bin Khattab, after Abu Bakr passed away, when Khalid bin Walid was away at war, Umar bin Khattab then took um, the Khilafah and he sent a message to the army telling them, Take down Khalid bin Walid. He's no longer general of the army, take him down. Abu Ubaid Amr bin Rajah would take uh, over the, the leadership of the army. And what's to learn here is that um, people around Umar bin Khattab asked him, why would you do this, Ya Khalif al-Muslimin? Uh, Khalid bin Walid, everyone is succeeding with him. He said, Umar bin Khattab said, I was afraid that people would start thinking victory is coming from Khalid and not coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
He was afraid that people would start thinking victories from a man and not from the creator of man. And you look at the responses of both men. So Umar al-Khattab, you know, how great was he to think in this way? How, how close was he to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and realizing that fitna is all around us? And if I can work at preventing fitna and proving to them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everything is in his hand, then I will do that, even if it meant taking down the general of the army. And look at the response of Khalid bin Walid. He didn't say, oh, why would you take me down? I'm the general. We're doing all of this under my hand. Khalid bin Walid, he agreed with, he, he's like, I am under Khalif al-Muslimin, Umar al-Khattab. I trust his judgment 100%. Umar al-Khattab would never steer us wrong. I'm not going to say that, oh, no, victory is at my hand. I don't need that credit. That's all to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah will reward me for everything I've done. He will reward me for my niyyah. He will reward me for my actions. He will reward me for how I am responding to this amr of the khalifa. So subhanAllah, how both of those men um, responded and dealt with that situation. Um, another, the next one we want to talk about is uh, Yazid bin Muawiyah. Um, Yazid bin Muawiyah bin Abi Sufyan. Uh, at this time, he was 15 years old. So versus Ammar bin Yasser, that was 90, leading an army. We have 15 years old leading an army. Um, Yazid bin Muawiyah, um, this was a time, this was um, before the time of uh, Muawiyah took leadership of the army. Um, Yazid bin Muawiyah was very close to one of the close Sahabis of the Rasulullah which was Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. And Abu Ayyub al-Ansari had just passed away. And before he passed away, he told Yazid, Yazid, he was a previous commander of the army, at the, uh, a commander before Yazid at that time. He told Yazid, he's like, Yazid, I want to be buried where I can see the walls of Al-Qustantiniyya. I want to see those walls. Put me in a place, bury me in a place where I could see them. And at that time, you know, those areas were still under, um, you know, the Byzantine regime. They weren't under Muslim lands. They weren't for the Muslimi. So at that time, um, you know, Yazid, he was carrying Abu, uh, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, and he buried him in that land, right in front of uh, uh, the where you could see those walls of Al-Qustantaniyya. And the Roman um, uh, general at that time, they, he saw them, and he came to them, and he's like, what is this? He's like, this is Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. I'm going to bury him here. This was his last wishes. And he said, who are you? I am Yazid bin Muawiyah. I'm the leader of this army at 15 years old. And he tells him, okay, Yazid, how about this? What if after you guys left, I will take out, I will dig up his grave, throw his body for the dogs and the wolves to eat. So Yazid, you know, you're talking to a Roman, to a Byzantine general at that time, one of the biggest military leaders in that time, in that world span. So Yazid, he was standing up, he sits down to kind of look down on the Roman, uh, on the Byzantine general. And he tells him, he's like, if you do this, I will come back and I will kill every single one of you for doing this to the, the, the companion of the Prophet Yazid did not hesitate for a moment. He did not look at who was in front of him and be, you know, oh, cower in fear in front of him. No. He stood there and he fulfilled those wishes. And seeing the resolve of Yazid, the, uh, the Byzantine general, he told him, he's like, I will be the first person to guard this grave for you from now on. And he guarded it from there on. So it does not matter what we take from this. It does not matter about the age. It doesn't matter if you're old or you're young. You're never too young to learn Islam. Islam is for every age. <coughs> it's for all ages. 
It is for all times. It is for all eras. It is for all people. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most wise amongst, uh, you know, he, he's the creator of everything. He's the most graceful, the most merciful. He's the all knowledgeable. So he knows that if we, we know that if we follow what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for us, and we come out to become like this, we will be Junudullah al Arab. We will be those soldiers of Allah. We will be the lions of Islam. And that was, that's what Yazid bin Muawiyah was. He was one of them. Um, you know, we're going to fast forward a little too um, later on in the Islamic era. Someone that didn't live specifically with Rasulullah, which was um, Al Khalifa Al Muqtasim. And um, some of you may know the, the story of Al Muqtasim. Or a woman, you know, she was, uh, she was, she was assaulted in a country far away from the Islamic countries. I believe it was uh, France, all the way, you know, as far as those areas into Europe at that time. And um, uh, she, she said, "Wa muqtasima." She's like, "Oh, al muqtasim, oh Khalifa al-Muslimin al-Muqtasim. I, I, I look to you for, for, for shelter. I look to you to respond to this. I look to you for strength. Wa muqtasima." So this word had reached um, Al-Khalif Al-Mu'tasim, uh, that a woman had been assaulted in non-Muslim land. And uh, how does Al-Khalif Al-Mu'tasim respond? He responds that he sends an army he, that by the time they reach her, the, the, army, the, the rest of the army still hasn't even left the capital where he is. That is how far along that army is. That is how strong, that is how powerful he responds to someone that does not that, that cares to violate Islam and al-Muslimin in general. That is how one of the greatest leaders of Islam and one of the khulafa of, of the, of the dawlah, of the Muslimin, that's how he acted. He decided that we have to send a message. We can't, we can't let someone, you know, walk around and, and step on Islam or think that they could get away with something as meager as this, or as or as serious as this. It could be a small issue. It could be could be something that we've seen in our lives. The people that write about the Prophet or take out um, images about him in all this publication, something like this, which is a grave sin, or something like assaulting a single person. You're willing to start a war over a single person. Al Mu'tasim was because he knew that. Defending Islam, his duty as a Khalifa al-Muslimin meant that he had he had the responsibility. Imam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment, when he comes and he is judged, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would ask him, How did you this woman, how did you protect her? What did you do to respond in this situation? Did you do everything that you could? You were the Khalifa of the Muslimin. You had to respond, you had to take a stance, you had to be the savior, you had to be the protector of these people. And it is a big burden, but it's a burden. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not uh, oblige you to do anything that you are not capable of. We are all capable of this. We are capable of more and even more than we expect. But where did these people learn these values from? They learned it from Al-Quran Al-Kareem. They studied it word for word. They understood it and they lived their life by it instead of just Words without actions, they will not lead to anything. These men were of men with words and actions. We have, you know, Sayyidina Ibrahim, alayhi salam. You know, we look up to not just the Sahaba, not just Rasulullah, but rather all of the NBI. Sayyidina Ibrahim, his father is 
uh, some of us know, was a non-Muslim. You know, he, he worshipped the idols. Sayyidina Ibrahim, والسلام, you know, he came to his father in a respectful manner. Even though his father was non-Muslim, what did he tell him? Ya abati, inni qad ja'ani min al-ilmi ma lam yu'tika, fattabi'ani ahdika siratan mustaqima. Ya abati, la ta'abud al-shaytan, inna al-shaytan kana lil-rahmani asiyya. Ya abati, lima ta'abudu ma la yasma'u, wa la ya'qilu, wa la yughni anka shay'a. Oh Father, why do you worship these idols that do not benefit you? Oh Father, I have been given knowledge that you have not been given, but please follow me. Just look at that, how Sayyidina Ibrahim, even though his father, you know, he didn't let his, his emotional state get to him. He didn't let, oh, Father, you know, I'll compromise on my deen just so that you agree with me. Or in, in, he had such a compassionate way at talking to his father, which was a non-Muslim, just to get him that message. The importance of getting across that I, I, it's not, I just don't want Islam just for me. I don't want to be one of the people that, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts in Jannah on the Day of Judgment. I don't want to be the only person. I want this for everyone. I want to spread this message as, as far as I can. I want to save as many people as I can. I want this message to reach every single household, which we saw when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent Mus'ab bin Umayr to Al-Madinah, and he told him, Ya Mus'ab, I want this message to reach every single person in Medina, not just every home, but every person in that home, in Mus'ab bin Umayr, delivered. He made sure that that message reached everyone. He followed Rasulullah's orders to the T. He followed every single thing because he knew that this was right. He knew this was haq. Um, you know, next we're going to go to, uh, I wanted to take an excerpt actually from this book that I'm reading. Um, it's about uh, Hudayfa bin Yaman. And uh, Hudayfa bin Yaman, in it, he, he's, it's a conversation between him and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa where he says, Ya Rasulullah, inna kunna fi jahiliyya wa shar, faja'ana Allahu bihada al-khayr. Fahal ba'da al-khayr, hada al-khayri min shar. Ya Rasulullah, in the jahiliyya, in the times before the revelation, you know, it was all evil. It was shar. So, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then brought you to us and brought all the Islam and all this khayr to the people. So after this khayr, is there going to be evil again? So Rasulullah says, yes, there will be evil again. And then he says, uh, so Hidayfa responds. And then after that evil, is there good again? He says, yes, there is. But there is dakhanun fihi. There is smoke. It's not, it's not clear. It's not great. And Hudayfa asks him, what is this dakhan? He says, So these people that come after that, which there is good in them, but they are people that do not follow my sunnah. They are people that do not follow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's guidance. They are people that you know them, and they know the truth, but they deny it. So Hudayfa said, and after that good, will there be evil again? And this is, this is good that's a little, you know, polluted. He says, after this, is there evil again? He says, yes. He says, People that stand kind of figuratively on the doors of hell and tell the people, Come here, come to us. And whoever answers them will be thrown into hell. 
speaking, they're trying to speak as if they're good, but really what they're, what they're guiding you to is hellfire. And if you, if you answer their call, they will throw you in there, in hellfire. You will be thrown into hellfire with them. Hudayfa responds, Ya Rasulullah. So what happens if I'm living at the time that this happens? What should I do? How should I respond if this is the time period that I'm living in? He says, Stay with the group of Muslims and follow their leader, the Muslim leader, because he will guide you. He will make sure you stay away from this fitna. So what does he say? Hudayfa says, What if there is no Muslim what if there's no jama'ah? What if there is no imam? What if there is no leader for the Muslimin at that time? What do I do? He says, He says, Rasulullah tells him, if this happens and there is no group around you to stick to, then you leave everyone. You leave all those groups that are that are that are following you to go to hellfire that are telling you to do the to follow the wrong path and you go to a tree figuratively you go to a tree and you bite down on that tree and you bite down on that tree until the day you die if you have to but you do not follow those people so he says um so he tells him you know is that much how much you fear us to go with those groups you would rather that we bite our on our tree and we stay there until the day we die he says yes because that is more hate for you than following those people and brothers when you think about it this hadith is our time now wallahi this hadith is our time now we this is the time that we live in where there are people that you know they put some nice things on what they're saying to make it seem like they're telling you, oh, come with us, come with us, come to heaven. Even if it's not uh, what's prescribed and it's not, follow us. We'll lead you to the right path. But rather, it is hellfire at its gates. And on the day of judgment, the people that are telling you this and you, if you answer them, will be thrown in there. So we have to be careful of who we stick with. What we learn from this is that the jama'at al-Muslimin, what imam, the people that the Muslimin that are around you and your leader, those are the people that you have to be very careful in picking. You have to be cautious when you find out who you surround yourself with. You have to know that these people that you're surrounding yourself with, it has to be al-mu'minun kal-jasad al-wahid. All the mu'minin, they are together like one human body. If one part of them hurts, all of them hurt. The Muslimin, they're like one wall, like bricks stacked tightly together. That is how the Muslimin are. They're, they're, they stick together as a group. And that is important to remember in our lives that we can't do this alone. No one can do this alone. But rather, when you have Muslimin, when you have Mu'mineen with you, when you have other lions of Islam with you, that's how, inshallah, with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will succeed. So that is what we gained from Hudayfa bin al-Yaman. Um, and, you know, uh, Say- Sayyidina Ayyub, wassalam, he was sick. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took everything from him. Everything. His health, his kids, his, his wealth, everything that he had, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took it from him to test him. And what did Sayyidina Ayyub say? He did not say, Ya Allah, you know, um, give, me, give me back my wealth. Give me back my health and I'll do you just happy. Even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you know, uh, make dua and I will, I will respond to you. But Sayyidina Ayyub had a higher belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, Rabbi, inni qad massani dur wa anta arhamur rahimin. Oh Allah, I have been, I, I have been hit, I struck with, 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 with a dur. You know, my wealth has been taken away. All these bad things have happened to me. I'm just, he's, he's telling to Allah that this has happened to me. And you are the most grateful, the most graceful, the most merciful. So if you see that I am better off to stay in this position, then keep me in this position. And if you see that giving me everything, my wealth and my health and my family back is better for me, then you do that for me. But he left it all to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He left that decision to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we understand from this that نتوكل على الله in everything we have, we make dua, but then we believe that everything that happens to us, it's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's what he believes is the absolute best for you. And you have to have complete and utter faith of this, even in the toughest times of your life. And that is what will get you through those tough times. That's what gets some of the brothers that have been imprisoned in Guantanamo, some of the brothers that are struggling in China right now, that they're being kept in concentration camps. What keeps them going, what keeps them steadfast on this faith is that they believe that if they have patience, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward them. Even if they have to die in this state, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward them. That is what is best for them. Some of the, uh, the scholars in the past, they had said, you know, we'd like to wish to have lived on the time of the Prophet وسلم, and been with him. That is everyone's dream to be with him. But they said, be careful what you wish for. Because you think about it this way. You never know if you had been born at the time of the Prophet وسلم, um, that maybe what if you had been with Abi Jahl? What if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had not guided you at that time? So be thankful and be happy of the time that you live in for everything that you live in because that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for you and that is the best for you. You know, the mushrikeen, yuriduna an yutfi'u nur Allah, wallahu mutimmu the, the disbelievers, they want to, to extinguish the flame in, in the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will keep this light. He will, he will be sure that this light will never be gone. Uh, I listened to a speech from a brother and he put it in a good way. He's like, you see the sun outside or well, the moon right now? It's light outside. So if you, if you go outside and you see the moon, you see the light of the moon, you do this. Can you extinguish the light of the moon? If during the day you see the sun out there, could you, could you extinguish the light of the sun? You will never be able to extinguish the light of the sun. You will never be able to extinguish the light of the moon. So imagine trying to extinguish the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It means never have despair. They will never, is how hard they try, they will never succeed at extinguishing the flame and the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All we have to do, in If we, you know, we, we have to unsur Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to do what we can to make Allah's uh, deen and Allah's word the highest. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not let us down. Um, so, you know, we talked about all these figures, you know, even figures later on, Sayyid Qutb. Sayyid Qutb wrote all of these books to try to idri people, and he, he fought in hijahad at that time. And, and, and because of his books, they imprisoned him, and he was sentenced to death because of that, and he died. And Sayyid Qutb is still known to today for his work and his, his, 
his steadfastness on this religion. Omar al-Mukhtar fought against the fascist regime of Italy in their colonialism. And he fought against them. And until the day they caught him, until the day he died, he remained steadfast on this religion. So it is not about, about living in a specific time or a specific era, but it is about what you carry deep inside your heart. The people in, 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 in Guantanamo, where there's a gentleman that we, I listened to his, his, his lecture, he says some of the ways that they torture the brothers there, they take the Quran al-Kareem, the, the mushrikeen on your first day, they take it from you and they rip it. And then, they take it and they flush it down the toilet just to break your resolve. They try to break those brothers' resolve. But do you know what the brothers then did? The rest of them, they take the Quran and they give it to them. They give it to the mushrikeen. They're like, take it from us. Take this because you can't, even if you take this Quran, even if you take those words, those words are in my heart. You can't take that from me. You can't take this faith from deep inside of a Muslim's heart. Those lines of Islam, they carried that, they carried the Quran in their hearts. They carried those words in their minds and they lived in those actions every single day. They were loyal to each other like Abu Dhar. They were forgiving to each other. They were like Umar al-Khattab, they were shadideen at the time that they had to. And they were, they were kind to the other Muslims that were with them. They were like Yazid and Yasser, Ammar bin Yasser. They didn't care about the age difference. They didn't care if you were old or if you were young. You were able to carry the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what a line of Islam does. He is able to stay steadfast on their religion because he carries those words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He carries La ilaha illallah Muhammadan Rasulullah in his heart. And he carries the Quran al-Kareem in his heart. And he acts by that every single day. And all those people that we talked about, they're all regular people. They're like you and I. But one day, they decided that they've had enough. They decided that they have to take a stand. They decided that they have to make a change. Did they make a change for me and you? Did they make a change for someone else? They made that change for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They decided that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if I want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's praise on the day of judgment, I have to do what I have to do now. I have to live these actions now. I have to put Islam into full force in my life daily. From the smallest things to the biggest things. To raising my kids, to dealing with others, to carrying jihad. Everything. It encompasses everything. So we have to speak up about these things. We have to speak up about some of the issues. You know, now we think to ourselves, what can we do? What can I do today? What are some of the things that I can do today? How do I become one of these lions? Well, we have to, like we said, we carry a Quran al-Kareem in our hearts and we act upon it. We don't just speak, but we act. Um, you know, you hear, let's say you hear an issue, you hear something, a global event happens, but none of the imam of your masajid are talking about it. None of the people in your social sphere are talking about it. Then stand there and talk about it. It is your duty. If you really want to be one of those people, you have to stand there and talk about it. Talk about what is happening in, in, in Yemen, talk about and, and lead the people. Don't just talk about it. Tell them there is a solution and the solution is Islam. We will follow this path. Get as many people as you can on board to, your, to, to, to the agenda of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not, do not despair that, you know, it's been so tough. The last 50 years, last 100 years, the last 10 years, last five years, the last month. 
it's been getting harder and harder and it, it's been getting we have war on islam globally but do not despair stick with those people announce your faith be steadfast on it and um inshallah uh, and this this fadl there might be different levels there might be people that are distinguished amongst others but the, the goal is that you act upon it in the best that you can in any case that you see any difficult case that you see you act upon the best that you can and you do the best you can and if you need to know more information you ask other people for that there are other people around you that are willing to help you other people that might understand islam a little more and and they could they could spread their knowledge to you and then you don't keep it to yourself you spread it to the others and that's how this ummah will, will slowly begin to rise but what we have to think about is we have to become, you know, we have to become Musab bin Umarir. We have to become Khalid bin Walid. We have to become Hudayfa bin Yaman. We have to become Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. We have to become all these people. We have to become them now. We have to become Suhaib al-Rumi. We have to become Umar bin al-Khattab, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. We can't wait for others to become them. We have to become them now in our time. And if we truly work for this and truly make our niyyah khalisa only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide us and will give us this knowledge so in the end we're going to try I'm going to finish with this we're going to try to make some dua for ourselves and for everyone across you know the, the world and all the Muslims that to um, inshallah you know uh, one of the uh, one of the dua that Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa used to frequent and say often Allahumma ya muqallib al-qulubi wal-absar thabbit qalbi ala deeni now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the hearts they, they flip so easily to keep my heart steadfast on this religion Allahumma ya rabbil alameen give us the knowledge to carry out your deen and to make your word the highest amongst the world Allahumma ya rabbil alameen we ask you to give guidance to ourselves to our families to our children Allahumma ya rabbil alameen we ask you to give us the ability to raise a new generation to raise our daughters to be like Ummul Mu'mineen Aisha to raise our sons to be like Abdullah bin Umar, to raise them to be shuja'an, to raise them be, to be lions and lionesses of Islam and carriers of Islam. Allahumma ameen. Allahumma rabbil alameen, we ask you, Rabbana la tazigh qulubana ba'da idh hadaytaha, wahab lana min ladunka rahma, innaka anta al-wahab. Rabbana keep us steadfast on this religion and make kalimatullahi al-uliya and help this ummah reach the heights that it once was and higher than it once was and that you on the day of judgment ya allah you could forgive us for our past sins and 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 sayyatina and allow us to enter jannat al-naim allahumma ameen walhamdulillah rabbil alameen and jazakumullah khairan thank you brothers for being here and for listening during this talk assalamu thank you for listening to this podcast podcasts on current events islamic guidance quran tafsir and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.